Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 35, and I'm joined by returning guests Jessica Greco and David Tampa. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Misery. We'll go around the room. I'm Jeremy. I have seen it, but not for a very long time. I'm Jessica, and of course have not seen it. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, just, I'm eating, uh, David Tampa, and I've not seen it. Although I feel like I have, but I definitely haven't. Right. Why do you feel like you have? I think I saw the trailer way back in the day, and after seeing the trailer, I was like, oh. And, and so, like, even though this is all, like, probably bullshit preconceptions, but, like, I feel like I know the arc of the story. Like, the, I don't want to say anything in, in case I'm spoiling anything. But, like, this, you know, this happens with him, she, you know, then he, then she. Yes, and, that's and exactly he, how the movie goes. And, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, I feel like, and so then I had no interest, no interest to see it because it was like, I, I feel like I know what this movie is already uh-huh. without even seeing it. I think I got put off because I was told there was a level of torture to it that did not appeal to oh, me. Oh, shit. Oh, great. This is going to be fun for you. I mean, but I... don't I, like torture either. No, but I also think... <laughs> but that, sadistic torture. Yeah, and I also think that this... Keep in mind, I was given this opinion, you know, maybe... when How old this movie? Like, 20 years ago? No, it's from the 80s. It's like... Yeah. So, yeah. I was... Or late 80s. Yeah, so I was probably... I, I was young then. I was, you know, t- depending on when... Uh, I was a relative kid, so it just didn't ever appeal to me. Okay, yeah, so I was 10 when yeah. it came out, so it didn't appeal to me. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm the same, but I don't like, I don't like sadistic torture, whereas my impression of what this is, is like... I wouldn't call it sadistic. More, more com- like thrilling comedic or something like that. I don't know that. if I'd say comedic either. Okay. It's is more, that hilarious torture? It's more psychological. Well, I'm going to go with hilarious torture. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. This I, is... This is one of my favorite books when I went through a key, uh, Stephen King phase because my grandmother, I don't know why she did this, but she would buy me a new Stephen King book every Christmas. Oh. Um, when I was a teenager, she thought for some reason I was into Stephen King. And I eventually became into Stephen King because of my grandmother. Right. They're, I think they're easy reads in some ways. Like they're not, uh, they can sort of fly through them. But my, but you gotta understand, like my grandmother wasn't a hip, cool lady. It wasn't like she was in the know that oh, I'll score cool points with my grandson reading right. Stephen King. It was random and weird that she thought I would be into Stephen King. And also, she'd read those books. She'd be horrified at some of the stuff. That <laughs> right. Like she bought me it. Have you ever read it? No, but I. I there's heard, an orgy yeah. scene between the kids. I, I recently what? bought my 12-year-old goddaughter it because she was obsessed with the movie and wanted to read the book, and I did not know this. Oh! <laughs> no, it gets better. And I've written on... T- I just picked random pages and, like, wrote scary things to her. I thought it would be funny and, like, drew pictures. And now I'm waiting for her to come back and tell me she's read the book, and God knows what I wrote on the page with the orgy because I have no idea. I yeah. don't know. There's some... 
How's there an orgy in the... Between the kids. So, spoiler for those who have not read the book, It. Already. Already. Turn, turn, turn the So after, turn the, uh, have you watched the movie? Off. Or did you see like the Tim Curry version? No, just the Tim Curry version. I haven't seen the new one. I've only seen the new one. So either way, they, they're both essentially the same story. Uh, after they defeat It as children, they get lost in the sewers and they're terrified. And Beverly decides that the way to unify them all as a group is to like let them all have sex with her. So, to be clear, then, it's not an orgy so much as they all have sex with her. They're not all having sex with each other. Well, technically, an orgy is sex with people in the same room. So, right. But, yeah, they're not all, like, they're not running a train on the, her all the time. They're taking turns? They're taking turns, essentially. And she's basically bre- welcoming them but all But the in. boys aren't having sex. Not with each other, no. Yeah, okay. just, They're all just having sex with her. It's, I mean, it's a metaphor for like her bringing them all into manhood. Okay, well... Yeah, so there's that scene, and it goes on for like four or five pages. So it's glad. a sequence. I'm so glad I got this for my godchild. How old is she? Yeah. She's tw- she just turned 12. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I didn't know. Or lovely and eye-opening, so that she knows what to avoid. But there is guy-on-guy stuff in the book between the bullies. Good. In the, in the book, too. I, I don't think I've ever read a Stephen King book. I've only seen a bunch of the movies, and not I haven't liked most of them. Ah, I really so. like, I like his, I mean, I haven't read his stuff. Like, the last book I read of his was the one that became the James Franco series, the eleven twenty two sixty three. Oh, yeah. I uh, love that book. And they did a pretty okay job with the series, given that it's kind of a hard one to adapt. Right. And there's a crossover between that book and It as well. Oh, crazy. That's really, he does these really fascinating things where he does these crossovers between his books with, within themselves. Huh. In a really interesting way, especially in the Dark Tower series, which I've never read, but I know enough about just from nerdy stuff. Which ones are the Dark Tower series? I mean, there was just a movie out based on the Dark Tower uh, with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey yeah, this summer. Yeah, which I didn't see. It was supposed to be terrible. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. We're way off topic. Let's bring <laughs> well, it back. We're talking about Stephen King. We're talking about Stephen King. It's all Stephen King. Uh, so I have a bunch of little weird... Nerdy trivia, but I think I'll save it for after we watch it. Okay. So it doesn't spoil anything. But what do you know going in? You know, you basically just know that somebody gets tortured. I mean, I know that basically the, uh, Khan is a writer and um, uh, and ends up in a car accident. And Kathy Bates, he ends up somehow in Kathy Bates' care, whether she finds him or what have you. She He ends up sort of sequestered in Kathy Bates' care and she is insisting that he write for her. And is holding him hostage yeah. so that he will write for her. And yeah. Okay. So that's that's that was my really general description. There you and then that's and then that's, know. you know she tortures him and then somehow he escapes by the end probably and kills her. But I don't know that for yeah, sure. Yeah. That I don't Maybe know. Not. That that make that seems like a. a but this, a fair this is what I'm saying. Since I know all that, I'm like I I feel like I know the movie. But it's the how. Well, I it's know. It's all about the well, how. And that's, that's why I'm here. But does he? That's why I'm here well, to for see me it's the all how. About Kathy Bates because well, she, I want to see Kathy Bates. Yeah. And I want to see James Caan. She won an Oscar for that. She it was her Oscar. breakout it's, role. It's kind of a tour de force performance. Yeah. And Stephen King wrote Dolores Claiborne for her. He wrote a book for her so that when they eventually turned into the movie, he it, she could play that part. Mm-hmm. And this is it. Be- no, 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 this is like another... Based, beca- on, her based on her performance in this. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Yeah. Did she land that one or not? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes they don't get it because the yeah. network That'll or be studio or whatever is like... And when they did the TDB adaptation of The Stand, he had them change the uh, gender gender of one of the characters so she could play them. Okay. 
She's Stephen, one of those, Stephen King's a big Kathy Bates fan. She's also, I believe, one of those actors who has managed to play roles that were written originally for men, and then she gets cast in them, and they've just flipped the gender over. Hmm. She seems to be able to cross those lines more easily than most. Her and Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. Who else has done Cameron Manheim's done that a few. Shall we watch? Let's watch a movie. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. And? Well, how do we, what do we, what do you want? What, how do we... <laughs> I just love that you started singing along to the credits. <laughs> the, what is that song, the title of that song? Uh, I'll Be Seeing You, it's called, I believe. Yeah. 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 It's an old old jazz standard. And you know that because? Because I, I sang with an a cappella group in university. Yeah, I was a tenor. Um, they were very, very nice to let me join. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the plot unfolded as you suspected. Yeah. It, it's exactly like you said. Like For, for me, my, my reaction after watching it is like, yeah, it was good. It, they did they did it well, but there was no, you know, every step of the way I kind of knew what was coming, and mm. and but then there were a few times it was like, well, how are they going to get from this bit to this bit? Because I know they got to get to this bit, but how are they going to do that? Mm. So it was, it was sort of interesting, and there were times where I was a little bit bored, and there were times where I was invested, and I, they're both good. It, from from what I was like sort of expecting. That's as good as it could have been. So well, I know during the credits you're getting excited because like William Goldman's the writer. Well, at the beginning I was like, well, because I was I was sort of part of me was worried that this is I was really not going to like it, and that this was going to be like just dumb and and really boring. Right. And then when I saw Rob Reiner, I was like, oh. And then when I saw William Goldman, I was like, oh. So you got a great writer, a great director. Uh, and not only that, but a great writer, writer who's amazing at adapting things, mm-hmm. and then two fantastic actors in it, and then all the Richard Farnsworth, Richard Farnsworth, and I forget her name, but Cliff Clavin's mom, oh. Lauren Bacall. No, no, I don't forget Lauren Bacall's <laughs> name. I, f- I forget the woman that played Cliff Clavin's mom, and a million other things. But yeah, J.T. Walsh is a small part. J.T. Walsh has the tiniest part in the world. <laughs> He was fine at it. I was sort of hoping for more of him as being like the, the, the one second in command. Farnsworth. Yeah. 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 So, so most, so, so then I got ex- kind of excited, like, Oh, maybe this will be good. And then by the end of it, it's like, yeah, it was, it was good. I would call it good. But like, I'm not like, part of me was hoping that, that I'd like really have to eat my words and be like, okay, yeah, that was fantastic. I totally get why everyone, thinks it's really great. I don't quite get why everyone thinks it's really great outside of just in whatever this subgenre is. I think it's it's done almost it's done really well. I think that's what it is. I think it comes down to, you know, for the 90s by that t- point it was it was done really well for I guess I mean, I'd classify it as a suspense thriller more than a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Psychological. For sure. For sure. Horror at best, it's not really a horror film. I wouldn't call it a horror. Thriller is is probably a better. Yeah, but I think it's what it, I think it's simple, um, and it's not trying to show off in any way. Like yeah. they're, they're, it's kind of a very mature 
uh, film for a genre. I think that's what was surprising at the time for it. And it was a discovery role for Kathy Bates. She kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I think. I want, I, it was her big break. It was her big break, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm surprised she won an Oscar for that. Because I thought it was a fantastic performance, but like... But I get I get really confused by Oscar winners a lot. But I, I think it's because if because I recall, I think she was surprised she won it too. We'd have to do a little googling and see who else was nominated that year and I stuff. Can do that. Maybe it's because no one knew who she was, and they're like, "Who is this brilliant?" Person? That used to be a thing with the Oscars. It used to have to either have been deeply established and nominated several times to win. <laughs> Or were Anna Paquin and just sort of came out of left field. Right. But even Anna Paquin, like that, what, what Anna Paquin had to go through in that role was way more than what Kathy Bates went through in this role. But just in terms of being like... Yeah, yeah, no, s- I, yeah, I, catch, who, I get your point. I, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, more in terms of their stature within the industry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I also think, I was trying to think if there was another film in this in that that decade that really had like a female anti-hero mm. where it was like a, a woman pitted against a man and the woman was the anti-hero like it's know. usually the other way when, around when it was single white female although that was female, but that was two women yeah, yeah but but the, it's very unusual yeah. i think to have that juxtaposition of power um right this it reminded me a bit of uh the robert de niro one i haven't seen the original Robert Mitchum one, but um, what's that? What's that film? Robert De Niro's the guy that wants revenge. Oh, which one? Sorry, the the comedy? No, 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 no. Horror, horror well, thriller, horror, thriller. Oh, Cape Fear. Cape Fear. Cape yeah, Fear. Yeah, yeah. Cape, Cape Fear. Fear. So it reminded me a bit of that, where you've got like the deranged person mm. going after the protagonist. So, so I think the well, actually, so here's who. Um, Kathy Bates was up against in that mm-hmm. year. Okay. So it was Angelica Houston for The Grifters. Ooh. Uh, and ironically, she was offered the part in this movie and turned it down for The Grifters. Oh, no way. Uh, Julie Roberts, Pretty Woman. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Meryl Streep, Postcards from the Edge. Okay. Wow. And Joan Woodward, Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, which nobody's ever heard of. No. <laughs> uh, so that's... So, you know, not... Up against some pretty heavy hit, especially Postcards from the Edge is a pretty great. But you know what's interesting too is that you look, this is now what, 18 years ago, those Oscars are 17 years ago. No uh, more, 20. 20. Well, no, this, this is the Oscars from 91, was the year of this Oscar ceremony. So, se- either way, it doesn't matter. 17, nine. yeah. But just look at the types of movies that are being nominated as opposed to now. Like, right. A movie like Postcards from the Edge or Pretty Woman. Would never be nominated for an Academy Award right. now. Yeah, it would be Glo- uh, Golden Globes in the Maybe. comedy comedy in the comedy category. Yeah. yeah, so it's just interesting seeing that evolution over time. Well, that's why that's why I'm surprised because this is a it's a genre film and they generally don't get recognized that much. And her performance. Well, but you also the quality of roles for women back then weren't yeah. great either. Yeah. True. So it didn't take as much to stand out. Yeah, I guess. And so. Kathy Bates is not what it's Hollywood usually puts out as a leading lady. No. Well, this, yeah, this is very particular kind mm-hmm. of leading. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about Khan? He didn't win, right? No. And what's interesting about his part was, was he that, nominated? Let me look it up. 
Um, Again, I'd be surprised if he was nominated. I feel not. like he was. No, no? he was not. Huh. Nope. Uh, no, and I, th- I don't think it was nominated for much more. I think it was just her performance. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't even... Uh, uh, Rob Reiner wasn't even nominated for uh, for directing. Um, like, like you said, it's a, it's a simple film. It, it like kind of beautifully simple. Yeah. So it won't it wouldn't necessarily get a lot of no. awards attention. And James Conn's okay, but when I was I was looking it up today, I saw all the actors that they approached before that turned down <laughs> the film. Um, Jack Nicholson was almost in the role, and then turned it down because he realized he didn't want to do another Stephen King movie after The Shining. Right. Which was a terrible experience for him. But that's just because Kubrick that's was... That's Kubrick. Yeah, that's a different director. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. I can't imagine Rob Ryan... It's not based on a book problems that's but the that's thing with a like, crazy auteur problems. Yeah, no kidding. That's, that's how I feel about this, is that it's like... You know, when I said at the beginning, I thought it was going to be comedic torture. Yeah. You know, I definitely wouldn't call it comedic, but at the same time, it, it's, it's pretty light film. Like, it wasn't a heavy film. No. There were some moments... Like the topic is heavy, but the way that it's treated, it's self-aware. There's like you know, there's like funny moment when they're having the dinner together that he planned to drug her at, yeah, and then or make her OD. It's not quite clear what his plan is because it fails, and then yeah. and then they cheers to misery, which is there's right, and you know, a double layer. Well, it is William Goldman and Rob Reiner, like so, we yeah. were comedy geniuses, both of them, so. It's not surprising that they found the humor in it all over the place, and and so therefore, it feels lighter. Like so, so if you had Jack Nicholson in there, I don't even know what that if that would be possible with yeah. Rob Reiner as the director. Or oh, be, what, what, what do you mean? I think Jack Nicholson plays pretty dry comedy, pretty good. It's a, but pretty the, good, but the tone, the tone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. I can see it. Can but, you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can okay. see, especially that moment there where he realizes he's fucked that his plan failed. But I feel like it would float more into comedy with someone like Jack Nicholson in that role because of just I that. think so. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, I was sort of saying the opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. That um, the, the complexity that Jack Nicholson would bring to a role versus James Caan. There's James Caan. Yeah, if you think of like stuff like... straight up. But at that time, he's doing like Wishes Meastwick and that kind of stuff. Like, there's, there's some... <laughs> Some levity to his book. Okay, I, I own that movie. I've, I've seen yeah. that movie. I've seen that movie. I own that movie. But you know what I mean? You own a movie? So. I, I own that movie. <laughs> I own The Witches of Eastwick. The one we're making fun of, in yeah. fact. No, no, but I'm just saying is that he does have... I mean, Jack Nicholson, yes, he's an intense, brooding actor, but of significant range. Far sure. more range than sure. nothing against James Caan. No, no, yeah, I, not at all. But that's in a way, that's sort of my point, is the... Well, but then, okay, so then with Rob Reiner. I think it would have worked. I think it would have been great. I think it but it's like so many people went where, where they went, they tried to get Pacino for this part. They tried really? to get, like, the list goes on. If you look at, like, any yeah. major actor of that era, they tried to get them in the role. Like, I think James Caan was a last minute, we're going into camera, and he's willing to do the part. Right. Because also, you're looking, when, when you're looking at this part... Is not the meaty part. Kathy Bates' part's the meaty part. Yeah. And also, you're asking an actor to sit in bed for five weeks or however long the shoot is. 
Yeah. You know, it's not the most rewarding part. Yeah. In a lot well, of ways. And, and it allows Kathy Bates to shine with James Caan in the role. I think because yeah. I, if Jack Nicholson is in the role, I think it's a really different balance between the two of them. I think. Yeah, no, it totally is. Then it becomes more, more of a two-hander. Right. Where it's, it's in theory a two-hander, but it doesn't feel like that as much. Yeah, he's the audience rep to some degree. I mean, yeah, sort of. What do you think, Jess? I liked it very much. Um, I found it to be a bit long. Yeah. Um, Especially for a movie that takes place essentially in one room. Yeah, yeah, because we know where this train is going, right? Like, we can see it coming, yeah. so the fact that it takes so long to get there is a little um, unfortunate. I love the sheriff, chief of police, and his wife. Buster? Yeah. yeah just, I want more of that. Yeah, this sort of, like, you know, sweet grouchy relationship she's his deputy like pre-fargo yeah yeah he's putting it together but in no particular rush yeah not in a rush at all no like but like sort of uh, unrealistically and he just gets lucky because he wrote down one specific uh, quote yeah that i didn't buy that at all but to be fair it's not like he ends up saving the day with that it, it cost him his life yeah, well, this is this is a Stephen King thing, right? Yeah. This is the same as The Shining, with that you have this, you see this other person throughout the whole fucking movie, and then they just get killed as soon as they show up, yeah. almost. You know, like the other one is a little more extreme. The Shining is more extreme, but yeah, I don't think it's in the um, in the movie itself, but there is in the book. There's a reference to The Shining about. Uh, well, yeah, it's a writer trapped in a snowy in. Yeah. Did they mention it here? No, but that's the, it's it. the same no, concept. No, there's, li- there's literally a reference where they talk about, oh, there's a guy down the down the way that went crazy one winter. Oh, really? Oh, he, really? Locked, he got locked away. Oh, he went, he went crazy. Uh, How come he didn't, he never had to throw something and hit a bullseye? Yeah. He. Well, I guess he hit her with the, yeah, you're right. No, he lifted back. it no. and like... Still got it. Why did they show that? At the very it's, top of the I movie. always think when they do yeah. stuff, like in horror films, that's yeah, it's at the beginning. They set up all these things and then later in the film, they're going to use Subverting expectations. Maybe it's oh. maybe it hit the editing room floor. Yeah, that's one thing and that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, maybe. But then why not get rid of the setup too? Yeah. Yeah. Still got it. Like, what is that showing? Is that showing us just something with character with him? Like, he's cocky or is that... But he never showed off him being cocky anywhere else. Just making sure we know about the snow, making sure... Well, but that's why he got in the... I don't know. It it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't... It's sort of of a weird moment that they highlighted, and now I don't know why they highlighted it. I thought it was very interesting that you never see him come undone. Like, at some point there's that turn where you... you, It's very clear that she... She sort of has a meltdown at him and says that, you know, she never called anyone and um, the hospital's not coming. No one's coming for him. And she storms off. And that's when he escapes the first time and goes wandering through the house, wheeling through the house. But you never see him really like he's all he's he's immediately in planning mode. He's immediately looking for drugs, getting a weapon, coming up with a plan. But there is no meltdown of I'm going to die here. I'm going to die here. Right. Which is kind of interesting that they never give him that moment to sort of break down and then rally. Yeah, it's almost like he doesn't want us, her to see him 
unnerved. It's but a, even it's privately. A, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, from from her perspective, he goes from like at the beginning, grateful and a patient, to a little bit distant and indifferent, maybe, to ingratiating again. Yeah. Right. Until 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 the very end. She, yeah. She Obviously. discovers him. She hobbles him. Oh god. That was brutal. That shot of her knocking his foot the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. that's the famous. Yeah, everyone. Scene I already knew oh, really? that kind of thing. I knew there was a sledgehammer. And a yeah, thing. I remember the sledgehammer. I could be wrong, but I think in the book she chops his feet off. Jesus. I can't. I think in the book it's worse. I also. I mean, obviously, this is a movie, but. Two compound fractures, bones sticking out of his legs. Like no, they were sticking out of his legs. That's what compound fractures are. Yeah, they are. They break through the skin, and that's why they shade wounds with with blood there on was, them. There was a wound with blood on them. Oh, on the it's one compound. Leg. Fr- it's like bones broken that are sticking out of his legs. <sighs> there's no way that wouldn't have gotten an infection. Like there's just she no was a nurse. Worse. Yeah, she had a closet full of stuff. Yeah, but he's just laying there with open. Well, she's changing it every day. I mean, we didn't watch her do yeah. that. No, but, but it's not, you know. I understand. I buy that. But how, what's the difference of being in a hospital? Just that it's... Well, for one, they'd reset the bones. Like, they'd close the wound, they'd reset the bones, like, all this stuff. You can't... That said, we never see him walking well. No. I'm sure whenever he escaped, he had to, they had to re-break his bones. And... His recovery, to me, just seemed so miraculous. Like, I get that he was, be- like, bed-bound, but he, like, was like, I'm, I'm not going to take my pain medication. I'm just going to sit here yeah, that and never played. think. <laughs> like, I, I was expecting something to happen with the medication. Well, she, he was using it. He was going to drug her. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. But he, was... But he stopped. Taking he stopped it. taking it himself. And yeah. what is that? That's just it's just a painkiller. There's nothing. Yeah, I was I, expecting something like she's actually giving him blah blah blah. Yeah, I think so in the book there was like she was like, giving him more than he needed. Yeah, to keep to him keep him docile. Keep yeah, him, yeah. But, but they don't two get into that. like multiple fractured legs and a dislocated shoulder, and he's like crawling across the floor with one arm. I'm like, you are a Marine. Well, like, but also, but that's, he was the, screaming. but that's him coming unnerved. That's him just I suppose. trying to, I suppose. trying to get out of that situation. But he never gives up. Like there was never that moment of like, give up and then like pulling up your bootstraps and like going for it anyway. The, when, when he, there was a bit when he first starts writing before she says, this is crap. Was when it not? When he's just writing, fuck, 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 fuck. Well, sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, of. that's very true. That's very true. And I've seen that as a meme. Rob <laughs> Reiner, <laughs> kind of a yeah. gif, just sending that out to Yeah. Fuck, 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 I definitely think they should have put all, all work and no play. Just as a tie-in. As a tie-in? Yeah. <laughs> Makes whatever his name was. Um... Yeah, I mean, the, the whole story, it came out years and years after the book because I don't think he wanted to be tied into the initial release. But the uh, the book, and not so much the movie, but it was really him writing about his addiction issues with, with drugs at the time. The author? Stephen King? Stephen King, yeah. Oh. Like he wrote it as kind of a metaphor for his being crippled by a drug addiction. Oh... And and Kathy Bates is the drug, or the cure, um, oh, the harsh cure. 
I don't know. Maybe. Huh. Uh, I'd have to look up the, the specifics something of Something that it. holds him hostage. Is that one of the trivia bits that you're going to talk about? Yeah. No. Well, that's something I already knew. I didn't know that he wrote that about that. Uh, and that, But also, uh, he took a lot of the stuff that... Because he, he's known for being, you know, using profanity in his books a lot. And right. so he kind of let her... Used Andy Wilkes, the character, to, or, to kind of throw back that at him hmm. and be a... Be a kind of like as way critics go at him or you know fans go at him and that kind of thing right I, it's kind of a difficult thing when you write a book about a crazy fan right you know what I mean because you're worried about offending fans I think so wouldn't you think so it's like it's, it's hard not to read into there's no way he didn't borrow some of his feelings about right certain, yeah. you know but the only fans are going to be bothered are the crazy ones. But those, but those, those are the those ones you want to bother? Yeah, those <laughs> right. are not the ones you want to give any new fodder to. Right? I thought This she, is what I'm saying. She was really interesting. Yeah. She struck this balance between, like, like the old Catholic school nuns uh, and, like, right. a child. They're, like, the way yeah, she very dressed was very nun-like and sort of her, like, very um, earnest... Uh, sweet demeanor that could turn quite angry and violent sort of reminded me of like the stories I've been told of older family members who went to Catholic school and had nuns like wrap their knuckles with right and and stuff and what I like too like I think what they would do now if you were to remake this is they'd probably give you even more backstory on her but I like that it's just whatever you saw in that scrapbook yeah Yeah. that's enough little details it's like oh clearly she's psychotic and she's killed other people yeah, she's we, an excellent in, nurse, though. We know she's including psychotic. children. We yeah. don't know necessarily how dangerous she is, except for we know the genre of the movie. But and but then we know that she, yeah, she could easily kill. Pretty sure she killed her husband, at the very least. Yeah, seems like she's killed a friend in university or something. Yeah, there was something yeah. about that. And a ton of patients and a bunch of babies, ton including babies. Of patients, including babies. Babies are the easiest to kill. I would think of that whole group. Uh, easiest in terms of. Them putting up a struggle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. about easiest in terms of morally. Well, that's what got her caught, right? Was yeah. the when when the infant deaths rose again. Yeah. <laughs> but she was never charged. Like she has this whole scrapbook of her going to. So is that true? She was never charged. She went to. I don't. She didn't go to I jail. I think they said something about her being released. So maybe she did released a from prison. Maybe she. Maybe for she went killing babies. I don't but this know. Is, and also, if she was released from prison for killing babies. It's a small town. You think everyone in town would know that, oh, maybe we should go check at the old psycho's place. And yeah, they take should... a long time to stop by the Wilkes place, given that they she know... the books first. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit ridiculous. I thought for sure... I mean, I knew the, the typewriter was going to play and the, buying the paper yeah. and all that. But she also said, like she mentions, like, oh, the person asked me. I said, well, the N and, oh, my favorite author has an N in the name and... That never came up, and instead, it's this quote that he like just. I, I it, that was it's true. That, that was like a real sore sore hole for me that could have easily been filled in by in another way, in, in many other ways, including ways that were sort of mentioned. Yeah, it's sort of it's, it's a little bizarre. It's a bit lazy. Do, do you know how it worked in the book? Like I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, I did. I read it when I was a teenager. Right, right. I don't remember. I just remember. The, I remember little details being different when I because I read the book first and I watched the movie. Right. Uh, I was expecting 
it to be an axe, not a sledgehammer. Mm. Right. Uh, I, I could be wrong. She could have just hobbled him with an axe. And maybe I thought that she was going to cut his foot up, but then she turned the axe oh, the, around. The, the and the back, just, you're right. With the back of it. But I can't remember. Mm. I have to, I'll have to Wikipedia that after. Mm. It was um, beautifully shot. Well, he was going for a total Hitchcock vibe. Right. You know, I Lots think of vista. Oh, those tight shots, those yeah, little cushions on her. Light. Yeah. Uh, but he was totally going for a, a Hitchcock vibe. Just there's that great sequence too, when uh, when she he gets out the first time and he's going back and and he's just mirroring the imagery. So it's like her foot's coming towards us and and, the, and the wheels of yeah. the wheelchair and the, and the yeah the, the race. He's trying to lock the door and she's trying to open it. Yeah. Uh, and that's classic Hitchcock Strangers on the Train. Right. And the first two people are meeting up at the beginning of the movie. Okay. Um, and, and, and just tons of other stuff. Because it really is. I mean, in a lot of ways, the, with the exception of like the B plot, which takes place outside of the house, you know, it is kind of a play, you know, or it could be if you don't, oh, yeah. if you don't make it as visual as Rob yeah. Reiner's made it. Isn't it? I, th- I thought it was done as a... It was done years later. Okay. Uh, it was originally, it went right after the movie came out, uh, Julia... Julie Roberts wanted to do it on Broadway, and Stephen King vetoed it because he said she's not the right type of actor. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, he's like Annie Wilkes is like an yeah. act is is like a a not a beast of a woman, but you know what I mean, like a. She has to be more formidable than Julia Roberts. Just yeah. physically, she has to be more formidable than Julia Roberts. Right. Although, it, but it has been done since. It's be it was done on stage after that. Hmm. Going back to what we were saying about her being sort of childlike, I really loved the perspective of the shots because James Conn is in bed or in a wheelchair, so he's always they're always shooting down, sort right. of looking down at him and, and looking up oh. at her. And so many of her temper tantrums are like childlike temper tantrums and out of nowhere. So it's this very interesting perspective to sort of have that power dynamic set up in terms of where the eye lines are, but also have this like imposing figure having this childlike oh, yeah. meltdown. I'm looking down at you. Yeah. yeah, yeah You're looking at them. Yeah. Well, and that is, it was the one part that I really liked that he did is the first time she had that temper tantrum and just the look on his face. It was this really cool thing where it's like, he doesn't feel threatened, but he's just seeing her very differently all of a sudden. And, and I thought he just did that really well. It was the, the shift goes nice. Yeah, it wasn't like you know. He some, stays some calm. Thing. He stays. He stays very calm. calm. Well, then he yeah. has to. He knows what he's dealing with. Like I know, I I understand the criticism of not seeing him unwinding and becoming unnerved, um, in private. But it's almost like I get that he would never do it in front of her. For sure. But, but the, yeah, but this is right at right at the beginning. I, I think that what yeah. I'm talking about. I think yeah. you are too. But. So, so the, his transition, I thought, very realistic from like, oh, thank you so much for helping me to, oh, I need to, like, we were getting close and I need to not be close. Yeah. And then into this really very realistic thing that I've certainly felt in my life of, you know, short answers and not looking the person in the eye because you don't want to engage with them. Yeah. But he has to because he's also stuck in this room and this bed. Well, then eventually he has to, Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's just try. I I, I kind of picture him, and and Khan does it well. Like I didn't mean to uh, badmouth him earlier on, because I think what he does really well is you get that sense of like that duck calm on the surface, paddling like hell underneath, just trying to figure out what do I do now? How do I keep you happy? Yeah. But without feeling like you're being placated, because she's not stupid, but she's also not super bright. She is that. It is that like 
um, Arrested Development to some extent, where she's there's a childishness to her, but she is an adult. And but it's just this fine line. That's what is great with the characters. Like you don't know if you're gonna get the hug or the squeeze. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And everything is just dancing on eggshells a little bit. Yeah. You know, you, he doesn't know how much she knows. And all those little moments where, like, all of a sudden she reveals that she had a knife, she knew all the stuff. And right. I thought there was going to be a reveal about her spilling the wine, but it was just a coincidence. Where she knew. And did it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. He fits a lot of stuff in his pants. <laughs> There's a lot getting put into his pants. Well, some of us have very concave butts. Well, to be honest with you, it's funny when he put the... The lighter fluid, the tin of lighter fluid in the back of his pants. Yeah. And then she's, That's a bold choice. It is a bold choice because I'm just like, the moment <laughs> he gets up, that thing's going straight down the leg yeah. of the pants and falling out. Well, also, she's got to pick him up and drag him up the stairs. But she didn't. She just left the, the chair at the top of the stairs and then went off and did her business. And which, by the way, we had to get up and get over the sheriff who was blown out on the stairs. Oh. There. Yeah, that's extra. Cruel. Was, did he have underwear? He could have put it in his underwear. I never I saw. We never well, see yeah, him in that state. I did love that moment when she first, when she makes him burn the book. Uh, when she, when he's clearly not going to, and then she's just talking, just casually putting a lighter fluid on the Yes. Floor. And he realizes like, okay, it's me or the book. Yeah. Uh, like, I just love the subtlety of that moment, the unspokenness of it. That was really, really great. There was also that moment uh, when, after she takes the, pee bucket from him and she's talking with her hands and he's just watching the pee bucket. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know just <laughs> again it doesn't add up to anything but it's these but it, it's it, it's sort of weird because like those things like that I, I sort of enjoy but at the same time I think it takes away from setting up the tension of the thing well that's the comedy right that sort of lends itself to that sort of Rob Reiner like kind right of. where it's, I, I mean, it's, it's lightening the whole thing yeah, yeah. As opposed to a, a, a release, so you can build the tension back up. But it's also a way to humanize them, you know, in a way too. Yeah, a little bit, right? Like you'd be sitting there, someone's like doing that in front of you. You'd be staring at it, going, "Please don't spill pee on me." Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would. I know you're saying you could just have her not doing it at all. Uh, yeah, ex- yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Is like I, I, I really enjoy that moment, but. For, for a psychological thriller or a thriller for me, I really like to feel that tension. And I didn't feel a ton of tension in this one. Oh, I think at that point in the movie, you want it, it's meant to be undercut enough. You, yeah. you, like, and that's what I like about it, too, is that like, even like, at the beginning of that conversation, you don't even know he's peeing. Like, she's just standing no. at the window. Yeah, yeah. And then she's you realize after, it's like, oh, she was looking away to be polite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so all I, very lovely. <laughs> yeah, but I think like what, I, and that's what I like about the balance of the movie is I like the right. fact that it takes a while. It's a slow burn. I think you know, again, if you remade this today, you'd have some kind of opening scene where the Kathy Bates character is crazy in the first scene, and then you see her normal. You know, they wouldn't let that slow uh, burn happen, right? Right, because everyone would know going into the remake that Kathy Bates' character is crazy. Yeah. And you'd want to set it up. And there'd be more people coming by the house. There'd be yeah. other yeah. stuff, right? They wouldn't just let it be this nice, slow thing. Although, that being said, um, you know, Stephen King, you know, 10 years later or however many years later, not in novel form and just recently in movie form, kind of repeats himself with Gerald's game. 
which is another horror story that he wrote that takes place all inside of a bedroom. Hmm. I've heard um, of this. And it just came, the movie just came out on Netflix. Uh, Carla Guinguino plays the character. It's about a... Yeah. A, 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 kind of a couple that's having problems and they decide to do some kinky things in the bedroom and she oh. gets Hank up to the bed. Right. And nobody knows where they are and nobody's coming. And he uh, takes a heart attack. He t- he has a heart attack? Yeah. And dies. He, and dies on oh, the floor. Geez. So she's trapped, uh, handcuffed to the bed and has to figure out how to... Right. Save herself, essentially. Right. And there's a rabid dog that gets into the house. Obviously. And what? Rabies isn't even a thing anymore. How is that even... Well, not rabid, but like a, like a stray dog that's very hungry. Right. I didn't say rabid. He's oh, not rabid. Geez. But but it's great. But you know what? You, you look at that premise and it's like, oh, how do you stretch that out? It's pretty great. Castaway. Oh, it's, it's just... It's good. Did you watch the film or just read the book? I had... I actually, that's one I hadn't read the book for. Oh, okay. So I just watched the film... Uh, Bruce Greenwood plays her husband. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really great. It has this third act twist. You go, what the fuck was that? But then when I read up online, I was like, oh, that's how the book went. And they wanted to stay true to the book. Whoa. I don't not buy it, but it's a, it's a weird... The one time they stay true is when it doesn't make sense. Well, no, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just something weird that happens at the end. And you go, huh, that's where you wanted to go with this? Right. But it didn't kill me. But it's, it's... Absolutely worth checking out. It's not an amazing, amazing movie, right? But it's an enjoyable hour and a half. I like her. I'd watch. She's great in the movie, Mm -hmm. and just how they make that really cinematic and interesting, right? Like a person just tied to bed for an hour and a half. Well, have you seen Buried with Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, that I thought that was really fascinating. Oh no, I haven't. I remember this. Yeah, Yeah. it's just it's just the only thing you ever see is him in a coffin. Sounds like a nightmare to shoot. I remember hearing those stories. Of yeah, just I haven't like, shot it in three weeks. Well, there's not much. There's only here in one location. It's just, him, yeah. no, it's just, it's just hard on you psychologically to. Oh, I'm be sure. Trapped in a box. Yeah. For three yeah. weeks. No, I mean there's there's a history of great psychological movies that take place on one location. Like the first Saw movie is kind of that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I still think that's the best of that series. Yeah. That's the, that's the one I've seen, so I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, any other thoughts? Um, what was it like watching it again after all this time? I enjoyed it. Like, I think it, 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 similar to what you guys said, I think I felt a bit slow. I was kind of nodding off near everybody. <laughs> and just I po- poked Jer at one once. point because he oh. was sleeping. But just for a second. How do you know? You were asleep. I, no, because I was paying attention moments before in the same scene. I knew, uh. I knew where we were. I just nodded off for a moment. Kind of like... As we're getting into the third act, where it was just past the writing montage. Right. Uh, no, you. I mean, this is the kind of movie where I think if you're going to justify the two-hour running time, you need to get a little bit more in, into the psychology of the characters. Right. Because otherwise, this is easily a story you can tell in 90 minutes. Right. Yeah, yeah agreed. I, I, I want a little more chess between the two of them. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of chess. There's there's a little bit, but there wasn't a ton of it. Yeah. Which is weird to say because it's sort of all there is, but yeah, if you were in a remake, you'd have to, especially if you were setting it now, it'd be a totally different thing because you've got the internet. Oh now. yeah, also I mean, cell phones and well, yeah. Annie Wilk is you like the just... original stalker, you know, or the classic case for the stalker. Right. But I think it's well, you could still justify it all the same way, right? Everything. Yeah, I mean, you could easily make it a period piece and keep all the your phone was the same. I didn't, your phone was destroyed. Your but I think if you want to update, there's no it, signal. No, but I think if you want to, you'd have... I think 
What they'd probably do too is you'd have it that she caused the accident. That it was her plan all along to trap right. him. Which I think would wreck it. Like, I like that. Maybe she would have helped him until she read the Misery, the new book, and realized right. that he killed right. her favorite character. Well, he, I mean, he's driving a he's driving a vintage Mustang with summer tires up through Colorado in the wintertime. So he was begging for an accident. That's true. But it's interesting, just like this, you know, this is something that's ri- the, the book was written in the 80s and the show and the movie came out in the 90s, like, you know, far predated the internet. But... You know, the idea of fans dictating what they want to see yes. and meet in, is, right. is a new thing. And I think there's a great article uh, a couple of years ago kind of about that. Uh, and Does just it how, talk about misery? Oh, yeah. It, it right. uses Annie Wilkes as like, right. it's kind of like the the <laughs> tentpole for the all. The embodiment. It, the embodiment of internet nerds who is like, you don't actually want what you think you want. Right. You don't want... The show, you don't want these two people to actually get together because once that happens, the fucking story is over. Yeah. And it's just not interesting to write about a love Don't show Norm's wife. Yeah. Don't have Tony and Angela get together. Yeah, because then you got to find a way to break them apart and then bring them back together again. Yeah. So they're just like, just talking about how, you know, as much as fans are dying for certain things to happen, the moment it does, they won't actually be fulfilled. They don't, just the idea that fans don't actually know what they want. Right. Um, Well, that fans. It shouldn't necessarily dictate the arc of the story based on their own pursuits. Yeah. You know, whether they want it or not, that's, that's not a good enough reason for it to, yeah. To and that's, and I wonder if that's something he felt. I'm trying to remember where this fits inside of like, if he was into dark tower stuff right at this point, I, I can't remember the chronology of, of his books, but I wonder if that's something he struggled with too. People going, well, you should write about this. I'm sure as a writer, I know I get this as a writer. People are like, hey, you'd be great. You should write something, but this thing happened to me. You should write about that. And they go, well, that's not that interesting, actually, what you just told me. (laughs) So I'd have to totally change that to make it interesting. But thank you for thinking thinking of me me when that happened to you. (laughs) You know, I'm sure he gets that daily, no matter where he goes. Right. Yeah. Um... The problem with getting what you want is then it's done. Yeah. Happily right? ever after. And you're, but end. you're still not satiated. You still want something else now. Well, well you're going to need something else to want. That It's not the getting it. It's the wanting it's it. It's the pursuit. Yeah. The, the interesting part. Which is, and that's, that's just why it's fascinating for me, though. It's like this is, you know, this is a movie that is 27 years old now. Yeah, but it's like, but it's still, but that part feels very current still. Or it felt ahead of its time, potentially. Right. For then, given how much you see that you see fandom is at its zenith now compared to where it was even then. Right. I mean, back then, that, that's when you had to be a proper fucking nerd to be a fan of something. Yeah. Right. You know, you had to... You had, you had to, to pursue it. You had to pursue it. You had to it was spend, hard. Yeah. yeah. If you, I think Patton Oswalt wrote a really great essay a couple of years ago about fandom and how lazy fans are now and how easy it is to be a fan of anything where it's like you had to track down albums you had to track down books rare movies and VHS I remember being in just in film school just as the internet was coming into its own and but still tracking down like oh you wanted to watch all the Coen Brother movies like well where are they all it's like well Blockbuster doesn't necessarily have Queen Video well, I wasn't in Queen Video, I was in St. Catharines, oh, and so yeah. you had to track down, and just tracking down and trading tapes and that kind of stuff. Also trophies, like the trophy of like getting one of the original posters oh, that was yeah. signed by the director and the two stars or something like that, which that still exists, but there's also like 
oh, I got retweeted by whoever. And yeah. that's like a trophy. And it's like, really? Yeah. That's your that's your trophy? That's your like high watermark is being retweeted, retweeted by someone? Well, the autograph book has been replaced by the selfie, right? Yeah. Like that's right, the nobody, selfie. Nobody gets an autograph anymore unless they're going to sell it. But they all want a selfie. They're all walking around with their phones out just trying to get in the same frame. With somebody they know. With anybody, yeah. yeah. Well, because a lot of it isn't, I guess, about making money like like a selfie wouldn't be worth anything it's except it's, for bragging rights. yeah it's cultural it's, currency it's, it's your cultural, instagram it's yeah. how many likes you got yeah based on because it never used to be that well i i guess it was a bit that oh, i got this person's autograph but like i always heard that like if you get an autograph you don't want them to put your name because as soon as you put your name then it's not worth nearly it. as much yeah because then only I mean, for me, it's all right because my name's Dave. But <laughs> still, you can sell it to a lot of people. There are a lot of Daves out there still. But an autograph is personal, right? Like it, it afforded you a moment with this person that you actually introduced yourself. You exchanged names. They wrote something to you. They wished you right. Well, there, there are some bragging rights. But there exactly. are some people that do collect autographs just for the point of reselling. Yes, of course. Yeah. But just that idea of like fandom that has shifted is that you, when you pursued these people, you were interested in having like a personal connection with them. Where now, when you pursue these people, it's not about the personal connection. It's just about being proximity to that level of fame. Yeah. So bizarre. It's weird. I've never, like, wanted an autograph from somebody No, me else. neither. Like, the only time, like, I get, like, my cast to autograph my posters. And that's about it. Right. Because they're friends of yours now. Yeah. But, but also, just it's fun to have it, like, it's my, like, one thing by like. But it's like, I wouldn't right. ever take a movie poster or like if I like I wouldn't take my Woody Allen posters and try to track him down in New York right. and have him sign or have you know that's just the first example that pop in my head because I have a Woody Allen poster but you know what I mean I but I just don't have any interest in that I've had people do the script signing thing like when you're working on something at the end of the production they want everyone to sign the scripts but that's like a yearbook yeah I get, totally. I get that but having said that I went to the Suits read through today for the very last uh, episode of Suits and everyone was sitting there, and I had my script with like my name across it, and I would, I did not. But it, it occurred to me, I'm like, if I got everyone to sign this, right, th- that would be worth some money. Like that would be yeah. like here's the last episode with everyone's signature on it. Yeah, one of whom will probably be the next Princess of Wales or whatever the next. Yeah, I don't begrudge it. It's like whatever makes you happy. I think it's it's interesting, but I just like it's not something that I have ever wanted to collect. Yeah, me neither. Right. I think I had an autograph book when I was a kid that had like Cinderella's autograph in it from Disneyland. <laughs> Amazing. You know? Yeah. That's not true. I have one thing autographed. Do you? Uh, and it was kind of a reluctant thing. I went to see uh, Paul Thomas Anderson do oh. a screening of Punch Drunk Love at mm-hmm. um, Rochester, the Kodak factory at Rochester. And I was at film school at the time. And so me and a buddy, we were, it was at, uh, we went to Niagara College in the fall, so it wasn't that far to pop over to Rochester. So we drove over to the screening and, of course, brought some shit to get him to sign. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, but what ended up happening was at the end of, like, he did a big Q&A and then a bunch of us went down and kind of encircled him, about eight of us. And we were chatting with him and some people were pulling their stuff out. I felt weird about it. I decided I didn't want to pull it out. And then a couple people disappeared off and there's about five of us left. And he's like, I really... I'm really enjoying this conversation, but I don't want to just stand here. Do you guys want to go to the bar and just get some drinks and just chat? See, that's cool. We ended up spending the next four hours just sitting around drinking with Paul Thomas Anderson hanging out. And then when I went in my bag to get my wallet, he saw this stuff 
and said, hey, did you bring that for me to sign? <laughs> and I had to go, of course I did, but I'm not going to make you do it now because it feels awkward. And he says, no, 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 give it to me. Um, That's so lovely. I'll show you it after. It's it's there's the funniest backstory to the the signatures and the whatnot. But so that's that's the only things I own that are signed by people, and that's I got it signed cool. reluctantly. That's a, it's a good story though. So yeah. it, it's not just a signature for the sake of the signature. And that's the point though. That's yeah, the whole true. idea behind an autograph. That fandom thing of wanting to be close to the artist. Yeah, but I did at the moment. I didn't feel like when we were just standing around going, I don't want to ask you because I feel like yeah. now we've related as a human. Thing. Yeah, yeah, you're beyond that. You're beyond getting an autograph from someone. But because I love that story, I think that, like having a actually having a beer with a person. Oh, it was so like much more. Like he he probably does not remember that night at all. But I'll never forget it. Of course. You know. I bet he remembers it. I don't know. Maybe. It'd hey, be nice. Paul, are you watching or listening? Yeah. <laughs> are you watching this podcast? Uh, don't, don't, please don't be watching this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have any final thoughts on? Uh, on Misery? Uh, I really liked it. I, uh, it was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be, but it delivered on that promise. I didn't, I wasn't disappointed by it at all. And, um, and again, I think it's the first time I even doing this podcast that I've seen a woman be the, the sort of number one on the call sheet, uh, in films, and she did a real well, bang she, up she job. She probably wasn't number one. Well, in <laughs> my mind, she is. Two. She's the she's the top. She's, she's the by far the most. She's interesting the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, she's absolutely. the she's the star of this one for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I I'm happy that I saw it mostly because it was watching it with you guys and as part of the podcast, and that this is always an enjoyable thing for me. And if instead I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to watch Misery on my own. And then I watched it. I'd be like, eh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, nice to discuss it yeah, It's I, this. If I was going to watch it, this would be the way to do it. You know, like I almost. There's a lot of movies like that for I me. I almost didn't say like, this is a black hole for me. I was like, oh, that is a black. I guess that's a black hole for me. I guess I should watch it. Well, uh, I want to do the podcast again, so. Oh. Was this part of w- w- people at home, which you don't know, is that when Jerry's sort of sussing out what people have seen and have not, there was a moment where you posted holiday movie suggestions. Was this part of the holiday movie suggestions? No, this is Annis. Annis, Annis Esmer was supposed to be here tonight and uh, and and had to back out for uh, he has a, a charity event in the morning and wanted to get rest. Uh, Wait a minute! He's the one. When I said it would have to be nine, he's the one that was like making fun of me for thinking that nine is too late. And so it is. Anyway, so so Ennis, I think Ennis was the one that picked it originally. Hi, Ennis. And, 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 hi, Ennis. Uh, he won't I listen to this. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll know. We'll know if he did because he will definitely. Yeah, I'm going to get a Facebook message now. No, it'll be on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but he, I think it was Ennis's pick. Oh, he, okay. he, he yeah. messaged me and said, hey, can we, I don't want to do misery. Yeah. Uh, so we did it without you, buddy. I'm so sorry. And you have to yeah. watch it on your own. And we watched it together, though. We did. Well, thanks, guys. Yay. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, always. Well, Super next time fun. we'll try to find something that you actually want to watch, Dave. The thing with black holes is, like, there's a reason why they're a black hole often. It's but there are some that you not. always meant to and you just haven't gotten around to. Yeah, it's true. Groundhog yeah. Day was one for a long time. But <gasps> then I did see it. And it okay. and, I have and not seen Groundhog Day. <gasps> oh, oh, shit. What? So good. Welcome in, guys. We're doing a double header tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for Misery. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter, at Lalonde Jeremy, and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.